Should your family members be able to take away your gun rights? That's the subject of tonight's point of view. The laws are called red flag laws. It's where a family member or maybe even a law enforcement officer can deem that you are a threat either to yourself or to others. They can go to court, quickly take away your guns, and oftentimes not really, you're going to hear this word tonight, but not really with due process. What's interesting is we talked about this exact same kind of laws last night with Minnesota Governor Tim Walz and Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan because the Minnesota legislature, there is a huge push to instill what are called, again, these red flag laws. To me, hopefully to you as well, it's kind of interesting that these things are now spreading across the country in different states, different legislatures. Says to me that somebody's behind this. I don't know if it's Michael Bloomberg or who it is, but hopefully we'll look into that and get some more answers for you. Anyways, North Dakota Representative Carla Rose Hansen introduced this red flag <clears throat> law in North Dakota today um, at the press conference. She had law enforcement there, which, by the way, we're going to have Fargo Police Chief Chief Todd and West Fargo Police Chief Heath Yankee with us tomorrow night. She had educators there, Senate Majority Leader Rich Wardner. Um, by the way, this is an interesting side note. The NRA, the National Rifle Association, also has come out in favor of these red flag laws as long as there's very certain and specific stipulations to them. But I want to share with you first some of what Representative Hansen had to say earlier today. Public safety protection orders save lives by enabling people to act before warning signs escalate into tragedies. Family members and law enforcement are often the first to see signs of a person in crisis and seeing that they are a threat to themselves or others. This process allows them to petition the court to remove guns from dangerous situations. The intention is to prevent suicides reduce peril for law enforcement officers and victims and domestic violence calls, and avert school shootings and other active shooter situations. I think one thing that's fascinating about these laws, if you remember the movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise, it's like they're trying to anticipate crimes, like a pre-crime thing where they're going to go and confiscate your firearm before you do anything, quote-unquote, bad with it. That's one thing to import. But a couple things you want to look at with these red flag laws that I think are very difficult because it creates a very, very slippery slope. Number one, so what's the standard here? What's the standard that's going to determine if a person is a threat to themselves or somebody else? I mean, is it going to be bad language on social media? Is it going to be some person that's anti-government? Or is it going to be legitimate like a you know domestic violence allegation? But that's where you get into these slippery slopes because it's obviously very, very subjective. Second thing that you want to pay attention to as this bill kind of goes through the process or you hear more about these bills is who, who exactly is going to be the arbiter of this? Who's going to determine if your gun rights should be taken away or not? So I want to read you a little bit about from this bill about sort of what, what the standard is right now when it comes to if you're a danger to yourself or not. So this is from the actual proposed bill. It says the individual poses an imminent risk of personal injury to self or others. How do you determine that? It goes on to say the individual poses a risk of personal injury to self or others in the future. There's that pre-kind thing. In the future, and the individual is subject of documented evidence establishing reasonable belief the individual has got a propensity for violence or uh, sort of emotionally you know, unstable. Again, gray, we hope that it's going to be effective, but some gray areas there that I think can cause some concerns for people. So one of the things you want to pay attention to, there's really two two ways that your gun rights can be stripped from you in this law. One is if a family member thinks, hey, this, this person seems to be a threat to themselves. 
they then can go petition a court of law and get your weapons uh, potentially taken away from you. Another one, obviously, is law enforcement. Law enforcement can get a search warrant and say, hey, look, we think this person, we deem this person to be a threat to themselves. They can show up to your house with that search warrant and then remove, remove your firearms from your house with that court order. I don't know if I want to be that law enforcement officer or not. You're showing up to take away a person's Second Amendment rights, and that person's like, what? What are you talking about? I'll have more on that kind of a story here in just a moment. But I do want to play a couple clips for you as well, because West Fargo uh, Police Chief Heath Yonke was also at this press conference earlier today. Here's some of what he had to say. This bill gives law enforcement a tool to remove a weapon from a person who is a danger to themselves or others to prevent them from harming themselves or others. This is all done while ensuring there is due process by having a judge look at all the facts to determine whether the weapon should remain or be returned to that individual. So I bring that up because you're going to hear a lot from Carla Rose Hansen, uh, Chief Yonke there, the, this term due process. Now, I'm not an attorney. I did reach out to an attorney before the show tonight. I said, look, I'm not a legal mind, but when I think of due process, I think that it's on the onus of the government to prove that I'm guilty of this crime. And so as you heard there from Mr. Yonke, they're, they're taking, I haven't, I haven't done anything yet, right? These are all allegations. They're going to take my weapon before I've done anything. And then now within 14 days, there's going to be a hearing to prove whether I'm okay to own a firearm or not. To me, that does not meet the standard of due process. It might to you, but to me, it becomes a little bit sketchy. And here's what I mean specifically, okay? This, again, is from the bill, talking about a law enforcement officer that thinks that you could be a threat to yourself or others. Says, hey, um, they can go, the law enforcement officer, within a sworn affidavit, can say, yeah, I believe this person's a danger to themselves. Um, the individual, uh, if the law enforcement officer believes the information obtained from this individual is credible and reliable, then the law enforcement officer can obviously say, hey, this person is a danger to themselves or others. Typically, I think I would be like, look, we're fine with that. Um, you know, we want to trust our law enforcement. But again, in the context of what we found out, even just as of late, that, oh, by the way, the FBI was going out and saying that our president is a Russian agent, a Russian agent, right? Again, it says in paragraph in the actual story, there's no proof of that. But yet they opened up a counterintelligence investigation on the president of the United States. Folks, this is what I'm trying to get at the root of tonight's conversation. If, if the FBI, with not a shred of evidence, can go and open up a counterintelligence investigation on the president of the United States, you don't think they can take away your Second Amendment rights by signing a sworn affidavit? This is where the slope becomes very, very slippery. Now, the one good thing about this bill, if there is a false flag, if you will, or a false accusation, there is a penalty for that. But again, you are getting into a very, very gray zone. I want to play one more clip here from uh, Chief Yonke for you from the presser from earlier today. Just as important are those individuals who become homicidal. We must do everything possible to prevent school shootings and other active shooter situations that res result in a mass casualty event. Let's do everything in our power to make sure that a city in North Dakota is not the headline news on Fox and CNN for an active shooter resulting in multiple deaths. To accomplish this, we need to provide the right tools to law enforcement and family members to be proactive in preventing these deaths. This bill provides an additional tool to hopefully save more lives and prevent more statistics from being made. 
So he said, let's do everything that we can. Now, a lot of this obviously is being driven by the Parkland shooting, right? A couple things here. When they say, let's do everything we can, where's the bill about uh, hardening our schools? Where's that bill? Let's have some armed officers at our schools. I know we have some our SROs already, but what are we going to do to harden our schools? There's some great security things that we can be doing to harden our schools, still keep them so it's not like a jail cell for our kids, but harden them without infringing upon people's constitutional rights. And if you go back to the Parkland situation, there was a lot of um, things that were missed, if you will, that created that situation. It wasn't just taking away that young man's firearms, potentially. There was a myriad of things that the law enforcement officers in that city could have done much, much better to protect the people in that school. So that's sort of one side of the story, if you will. Um, I know that they obviously want to protect people. If you think about what happened with Officer Mosier, I think that's what Chief Todd's going to say tomorrow night is, hey, look, if it could have helped save Officer Mosier's life, this is a good idea. I think it's hard to argue that. The question is, would it have? Remember, the person that shot Officer Mosier, his gun was already taken from him because he'd committed a felony, but it was reinstated because it was after 10 years. Very important thing to note. One other side of the story is that there, I think there's 12 or 13 states that now have these red flag laws. One of those is Maryland. And I want to share with you a little bit about what happened in Maryland. So Maryland's got this red flag law. Somebody deemed that this person in Maryland was a threat to himself or others. Here's some of the story that was played from a Maryland news station. County police say they came to a home on Linwood Avenue near Broadview Boulevard to take weapons from 60-year-old Gary Willis. They say two officers knocked on the door and Willis answered, armed with a handgun. Sergeant Jacqueline Davis says at first he put the gun down and stepped outside to talk with police. He was fine with the officers until they told him, hey, we're serving you with this order and this order orders us from the court to take your guns. At that point, she says Willis went for his gun. One of the officers tried to grab it out of his hand and Willis pulled the trigger. That bullet didn't hit anyone, but it prompted the other officer to open fire, shooting and killing the gun owner. So there's the other side. Officers showed up at this guy's house. They said, hey, we're here to take your guns. He didn't like that. Uh, shots were fired and that 61-year-old man shot and killed because of the situation. Now, was that a good thing? I mean, should his guns be taken away from him? They don't go on and talk about it in the story. The fact is, 61-year-old man dead because of this red flag law. So, of course, would love to know your point of view. Should North Dakota and or Minnesota, for that matter, and still what is called a red flag law where a family member or law enforcement can uh, infringe upon your Second Amendment right?